0: This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. recap podcast my name is alex and i have not read caleb Carr's the
1: alienist my name is nick i like reading (laughs) i've read the book
0: yes you have
1: today we will be discussing season one
0: episode two of the tnt series titled a fruitful partnership while we will not be spoiling any of the book and by extension any future plot lines of the show we will be discussing the details of the second episode of the series so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of our episode You can find more episodes of our podcast at thealienist.tv, and you can send feedback to feedback at thealienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast. Like these people did. We got a note from Mark, uh, I think it's D. He didn't actually have a name on the email, but I did some cyber stalking and gathered some information. He said, hi, just a quick note to mention that I enjoyed the- An investigation. Yes. Cyber investigation. Yes. yes. Uh, I put myself in his mind and tried to yes, figure created a, out created a profile what his the man. name was. Yeah. Uh, he said, hi, just a quick note to mention that I enjoyed the Alienist podcast. I've read both the books a number of times and agree with the points Nick made. Thank I you. feel similar frustrations with the changes. If it had mm-hmm. been produced by Netflix as a Netflix show, uh, they would have kept the gore and the brutality of the book. I think as a TNT show, it will fall short in capturing the brutality of some of the more graphic scenes. Overall, I'm glad the show exists and the books will continue to be my favorites. they can coexist as two separate entities to me. He said, FYI, one small correction, Nick mixed up Marcus and Lucius as to the character traits. Sure did. Marcus is more composed and Lucius is always sweating. I'll continue listening. Cheers. Uh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark.
1: That's a healthy perspective you got there about... Uh, yes. It's keeping a very, them separate.
0: It's a very measured. That's always how I felt about like the Harry Potter movies.
1: And... Uh, That's a good point, because I don't love the movies, but I did love the books. But I haven't even read all the books, so can I really say I loved the books?
0: (laughs) It's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I've always had the mind of like an adaptation can live on its own.
1: Yeah, you've always been good about that over the years, and I never have. I've
0: I've tried to. I'm sure there's some things that people are like, there might be something where I might think contrary to that. It's weird. There might be some exceptions that prove the rule for me.
1: Some but. franchises are immune to it. They can have separate they can divorce people can divorce themselves from like the, the bad chapters of like the franchise, but some aren't. Because yeah. you you can never talk to anybody about Mission Impossible without them going, Ooh, Ooh. Mission Impossible too though <laughs> Yeah. You can't.
0: Yeah, it's I think there's just some things that kind of like allow themselves to stand on their own like something like james bond you can take or leave any james bond movie
1: that is the beauty of the james bond machine Though it's it it's this weird amorphous it's really unique
0: yeah and and but there's like a spectrum there's like james bond on one end and then there's like i don't know for me it's back to the future on the other end where it's like if they were like here's zach efron and back to the future oh you wouldn't be able to handle it i don't know I would I would be able to watch it and be like, well, that was dumb, and then move on with my day. I think, but like the things the things that are ingrained of as like you you might think of in the in the terms of like James Bond, you're like, oh, Sean Connery's my Bond or something like that. Sure. But there's also the kind of like when you think James Bond, like Batman, mm-hmm. it can be the spectrum of Christian Bale, the Michael Keaton, or uh, Adam West, whoever. Even, uh, what's his name, who does the voice? Uh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, you know? So there's kind of like multiple iterations, but when it comes down to it, there's like certain characters. Like, there will probably be nobody that will be Gandalf. Yeah,
1: that's true. Although I
0: say that, and in the situation of Michael Fassbender and Ian McKellen playing Magneto, it works really well. So you're saying Michael Fassbender should Fassbender should be Gandalf in this weird Amazon Prime lord of the rings tv series that might be happening but
1: anyway um mark d was ever as militant as magneto (laughs) in his youth maybe mark d thank you for for writing in uh and thanks for listening to our show yeah thanks mark we're really happy to have you along for the ride i'm glad to i'm glad some fellow book readers yeah well
0: we also we uh we pressured the other mark that wrote into us previously Mm -hmm. uh to send us a, a quick email so he said, uh, hey guys, after Nick's plea for me to contact the show as a book reader, I had to respond. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the first episode of the podcast, maybe even more than the first episode of the show itself. Thank you. <laughs> That's very nice of That's you. That's what we aim for. <laughs> yeah. Be more entertaining. than Be the better. Thing. <laughs> be not only more entertaining, but also more than double the length of the thing that we're talking about. There you go. Uh, he says, I pretty much agreed with your thoughts on the show, although I wasn't as concerned about bringing some of the plot points of the book as early as Nick was. My take is that the showrunners are writers are trying to keep the pace of the show brisk, So that those who haven't read the book don't get frustrated. That said, one of my biggest disappointments was how the Isaacson brothers were introduced. It didn't have the same impact as it did in the book. I was also underwhelmed by the treatment of TR. Your point that non-book readers may not appreciate that this is supposed to be that Teddy Roosevelt was on the money in my opinion. As for some of the other characters, i.e. Cyrus and Mary, I'm taking a wait and see approach before passing judgment. There are a lot of characters in the book with only 10 episodes total. Some of them are going to have to get less attention than others, which is a shame. I agree with both of you that changing John Moore's profession from crime reporter to illustrator seems to be just plain stupid, but maybe as the show continues, something will be revealed that will explain why they made the switch. (laughs) Overall, I thought this ep was okay, not bad, not great either. Kudos to the show for the production values, though. I have no complaints in that respect. Uh, And then he said, one thing I wanted to mention, though, relates to the comment you made early on in the podcast regarding how much input Caleb Carr had on the show. Back in early January, the New York Times did a story on bringing the alienist to television and included comments from Caleb Carr about the troubles that occurred with past attempts at adapting it and what his thoughts were on the TNT adaptation. There are no spoilers in this piece, so I would recommend checking it out. Here's the link. Uh, It's a title from Jeremy Anger at the New York Times. It says, How the Alienist Finally Found a Screen. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But uh, Mark here pulled out one quote. He said, Mr. Carr sounded annoyed that his name... uh, Excuse me. Mr. Carr sounded annoyed that his being named a consulting producer meant little in practice. Quote, my contribution was neither sought uh, or when it was volunteered, paid attention to, he said. Mark, our emailer, goes on to say he also had some thoughts on Kerry Fukunaga leaving the production. Carr only watched the first episode of the, of the finished show and was generally pleased with it. He was going to watch the rest of the episodes along with everyone else. Uh, Mark goes on to say he hopes the show will get even better as it progresses, and I think we both agree. And that's interesting and a shame about Caleb Carr.
1: Yeah, we were kind of suspicious that that might have been the case.
0: Yeah. As I feel like it generally is in a lot of these cases, you know.
1: Yes, Tolkien was also similarly (laughs) dissatisfied with his involvement of Lord of the Rings.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And his kids also. (laughs) (laughs) And his grandkids, probably. (laughs) Well, that's why they sold it to Amazon, apparently. But anyway. Uh, I'm
1: glad that the feedback so far is... Uh, people are enjoying
0: people our are show. People are hitting...
1: The, well, yes, that also, but they're hit, hitting the center of the same areas that we are.
0: Yes, yes, very true. Uh, yes, the
1: illustrator. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's dumb yet, but it's definitely highly questionable. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm sketching Alex currently as we speak, which is... <laughs> An invaluable skill uh, when you're co-hosting a a podcast.
0: I probably have the same jawline as that girl in this episode. Oh, my God. Uh, The beard Uh, beard
1: rounds your face out (laughs) nicely. (laughs) I agree 100%. There are a lot of characters in the book, and they cannot all receive a lot of time, but I think you can do a ton with a little if you do it properly. Yeah, And I think that is on display a little bit more in this episode with Cyrus, but kind of how I b- described Cyrus to Alex beforehand, I think you could establish that all very quickly. And, you know, with the right measure of casting and the right writing, and, and it's not, nothing against the particular actor, we just haven't seen him do much yet, but you can do a ton with little.
0: There's there's an economy of screenwriting and performance that wasn't on display in that pilot. Like,
1: I I, I think back to, and this is... A, a weird example, but for some reason it's the first thing I thought of. The first time I saw Mike Coulter as Luke Cage in Jessica Jones, yeah, he was ba- it was barely anything, but I was like, oh my god, that guy rules! And it was a combination of his casting, which he's yes. phenomenal, and his presence, but also just how they write him and what they do with him. It was absolutely pitch perfect. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other better examples from like the this shows comparison, constant comparison, True Detective, but I can't think of anything right now. I
0: feel like there's times in the Preacher show where we talked about like getting an inkling of character with their actions absolutely and that's not that wasn't something i got out of the alienist the and, first episode. and
1: even on this episode it's still a, a relatively talky show there's a lot of like yes there's a lot of dialogue yes. there's a lot of people talking at each other which who knows maybe that's the way the world was back then <laughs> maybe people just talked a <laughs> lot more because they're sure things sure were different back then yes they were as we'll get
0: into yes they were uh, thank you, Mark, for writing in. Thank you for sending that uh, article ar- along. And, yes, uh, thank you, Mark. We hopefully. need
1: a way. We need a way to to differentiate the two marks.
0: Mark. Well, I, Mark D was the first one. This is Mark uh, okay. F would be okay. the second one, I believe. Mark, if my internet sleuthery is correct. Ah. So, uh, but yeah, please sign your emails with your name <laughs> and maybe an initial or a nickname if you want, and then we can kind of follow along.
1: Yeah, you don't need to disclose your full name to us if you don't want to. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, it's understandable. Please
0: give us your social security
1: number. A photo attached for reference.
0: (laughs) No, no. Serial number, whether you're susceptible to any diseases. (laughs) Uh, We got another email from Kenrick. Kenrick said, hello, Jondi and Nick. If I can offer one suggestion or request on your podcast format for The Alienist, is it possible to have the show as it is? Uh, Recap slash analysis first, and then a book comparison segment after. I'm not a book reader, and I'm taking the show at face value. I think this would make for a more enjoyable listen. Thanks this is one of your fans, Alex. I hope the show would come good, <laughs> uh, uh, and we can enjoy the season together. Uh, yeah, Nick and I were talking before the show, and I think the...
1: It's a very valid suggestion. Yeah, and, we, and our
0: first episode got a little... like that, that was kind of the focus of things, because it was the first representation of this mm-hmm. book on screen, and so I think a lot of that was more valid, but you know we're yes
1: i had a lot of i had a lot of baggage i brought was over to alex's up, house yeah. yes I, I forced my way through the front door <laughs> with all this baggage and unloaded it on the air
0: yes and now it's encapsulated in an hour and 50 minute podcast for, for sure. you to listen to uh but we think this one's gonna go shorter our aim is to try and hit about an hour every week so
1: yeah and we sure are burning through it with all this feedback yeah here. we are yeah we are no. i apologize no but that's a it's it's totally fair i understand like as a I listen to a lot of podcasts now as well. And if I hadn't come at it, if I didn't share the perspective of somebody who was going on about a book, I too, I would be like, I don't care about this. Like yes. there, there's definitely a balance to be struck. And in the first episode, we were kind of finding our footing for this particular show the same way. It felt like the show was finding its own footing. Yeah.
0: You got, you got to kind of find the rhythm of, of how to discuss things. And, and that might not be apparent until three episodes in, which kind of sucks with the 10 episode series. But, Hopefully, you find our show informative and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Guess, so,
1: and and don't stop writing in feedback because yeah, help I us make our thing. show better. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's really fun to interact with people and, and hear what they're what they're liking and not liking.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last thing: we had some tweets from our old friend Nancy. She says, "Hey, uh, Nancy, guys, really enjoyed your first recap. The episode was packed, and the recap helped me sort out the characters and etc." I hope you stick with it, even if the overall quality isn't there. I didn't read the book either. <laughs> the comments about John being useless if his drawings were not good cracked me up, and she said, I don't think Luke Evans looks too old for Dakota. Keep up the good work.
1: Isn't there a winky face attached to that?
0: Uh, yeah. There, well, there's a smiley face on the keep up the good work, but that's
1: about it. Oh, I thought it was to the Luke Evans comment. No, no. there's one thing I know, it's that the ladies love Luke Evans. Luke
0: Evans, uh, yeah. He's got his pick of
1: whoever. All
0: the fish in the sea. But... No, he is yeah, mag- he is magnificent. He is for sure.
1: Even in Fast Six, is that the one he's the villain villain in Villain? I think so.
0: I don't remember anymore. Six is. I the, forgot Fast Eight came out last year. It so. is
1: Six because Six is the runway one, one right? Yeah, the, the runway he, that's he, like yeah. three thousand miles. And long. he's driving the ramp buggy. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. God, that movie's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. This is the Fast Six Alienist <laughs> recap podcast. Yeah, we've podcast. changed. Uh, yeah. You
0: can find us at <laughs> fast6thealienist.tv. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what can you find there? I don't, I don't know,
0: know, but I should probably go buy it before I publish this <laughs> podcast.
1: Just put your picture on it. <laughs> I'll Coming link it
0: soon. to yeah, so.
1: oh, There you go. Anyway. Alex's website yes. he doesn't do much with. No. It's got a good picture of you on it. Not anymore. Not no? Anymore. No, it's gone. Oh, but anyway. too bad onward
0: with the show uh we'll talk about the teaser real quick here laszlo heads to the morgue to find more leads in the form of other mutilated children's (laughs) bodies but has no luck the captain of the police force pays a visit to the santorellis and beats the father to intimidate him and keep him out of the
1: police investigation pretty short and sweet yeah the beginning i i Started laughing just now as you read it because the beginning of this episode is very jarring. When you yeah. said Laszlo heads to the morgue, I thought, no, Laszlo is in the morgue in the <laughs> middle of talking to someone. He's
0: in the morgue with a dude putting tubes in stomachs and then lighting them on fire, which is like, I was like, ugh, I don't want to think about anything of what's going on. Oh, I thought that was that great. It's, oh it, no, it's really good. Like it's, it's weird. Because like I started looking in the background and I was like, that's a candle the whole That's room a tube is lit. sticking out of a person <laughs> that's a candle, so it's yeah. it was a really like the show's good at making me feel really gross, yes, for and, sure,
1: and it is really good at peppering in all these what I presume are period authentic details and methods yes. and, and and things that people are doing that uh it feels very very real it feels like someone did some research yeah and it's uh that's pretty cool i definitely appreciate that but the show definitely at times has a really i don't even want to say unsettling vibe because it's not always unsettling but there's always atmosphere there's a shot later in this episode in the uh police hq when uh she's going through the desk and Mm -hmm. it keeps cutting to the hallway and the hallway just has this glow to it that feels i can't even think of how to describe it but it's it's just like you can
0: literally see the corruption of the police force yeah but and
1: it just feels like you're there and it's lit Mm. by like kerosene lamps and some crummy electricity like it just really feels really cool it's like the last time i probably not the last time but the immediate example i can think of is the assassination of jesse james which is has all these weird they're almost like segues in the movie they're like tiny montages that kind of move you along but they're always like have these really bizarre looks to them as though they were sh- those segments were shot with like a rehoused period accurate camera <laughs> with like the same they probably used some weird lenses to do it yeah. i mean if they had to it's really cool anyway
0: that's not production you typically <clears throat> see on a tv show so that's no way cool yeah. to see it on display here mm-hmm. but probably maybe maybe some Kerry fukunaga influence there because he's a very mm-hmm. visually arresting uh, director, so
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I really am, I'm dying to see what whatever he will actually do next because yeah. he keeps getting attached to things and then leaving. Yeah. Uh Any thoughts on
0: anything else here? I don't know that there's too much to say. The the beating of the Santorelli <laughs> father.
1: Yep, that's cool. Yeah, I mean that's fair. That that that's good. That's there. Yeah, these those are all terrible ways to describe that. <laughs> <laughs> it was none of those things. <laughs> That, the so the sh- the show is definitely one of the big themes that this show seems like it really wants to put up there is uh religion versus science. Yeah. And maybe even just reli- an examination of religion in general and yeah. what it means to the individual and what it means to society and what it means to government even to an extent. Back in 1898 as well as today, mm-hmm. I feel like, I hope. This show may run closer to preacher than I realized, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's not a bad thing. No, in terms of themes, but it's uh, it's pretty. I don't know. It's very interesting to watch the the show kind of bring these questions right up. For, well, right. Both of these scenes deal with yeah, aspects yeah. So sp- of religion. specifically,
0: the 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 morgue, the the coroner, whoever that man is, sticking tubes into dead bodies, uh, for remarks sources. that Laszlo doesn't show his faith.
1: He doesn't wear his faith. He doesn't
0: wear his faith, and then also uh, Connor brings along a clergyman to kind of show that the police, the corrupt police, have the support of the church in the the uh, silencing of this of the family. Yes, and their, their boy's death.
1: It, and it, it actually, I think that serves several purposes because not only is it do they have him there as like oh here's it, but I feel like that's a that's a good way to get through to like a a, a Catholic, presumably Catholic, uh, Italian immigrant family. It's like yeah, bring a priest, and they'll say, "Okay, sure." Like, what do you need? Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to get through to like really, I think, really, really religious families. It's a good way to manipulate them. It's like, well, there's a priest here, so you know, you have to take it seriously.
0: Yeah, there's a police here to supervise the beating of the father. <laughs> unsettling but
1: also yeah yes, like should we beat him to death he will have his last rice read <laughs> for sure yeah yeah so. that scene is is pretty crazy too the the shot of the guy getting thrown down the stairs where you're like weirdly close to the step as it like kind of buckles moves down yeah. is really really neat yeah uh, It was it was a good it was a good intro yeah For sure. Also, we have a title sequence. Yes, we do. Oh, talk about that. You Uh, were probably going to, weren't you? Well,
0: no, I I actually didn't have it in any notes. I probably would have skipped right Uh over it, but I'm glad. Uh, I think it's weird that shows kind of are like I get that maybe they want the minute that it's going to take up for the pilot so they don't include it there. Or maybe it's not ready or something. I don't know. I always
1: assume they don't have it ready yet, but I don't know why I assume that because that's a really <laughs> dumb thing to <laughs> like to, uh, to believe. My
0: typical assumption is that they want the runtime because pilots probably run long usually. But I like it. It's very true
1: detective. I think it's sweet. It's awesome. I like the music or yeah. the, the ambient sounds that make it up.
0: Yeah. The disassembly of New York that the animations kind of show yep. and the, the portraits of all the characters are very, very nice. It's very cool. So. But it, yeah, it 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 feels like a true detective 1896, really. Mm-hmm. So uh but I do like it very
1: much. I like our theme a little more, but I do too. It is very good.
0: But we should I should I should pull out the, the intro and put our theme to it. Put <laughs> it, it would up probably on YouTube. be bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's a very do.
1: cool title sequence. This is not one that I will be skipping. Yeah. Like I get used to kind of Fast forwarding through the preacher one, sometimes like yeah. some weeks I'd watch it, but some weeks I was like, yeah, whatever. Like it's cool; it doesn't really change. Yeah. The Westworld one, it was kind of hard to pass because it's so interesting, and I was always scouring it for clues. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I like this one a lot. No,
0: it's yeah, I think it's it's very watchable. So,
1: there will there ever be a show intro as good as True Detective season one again? I don't know. I, I mean, I, well, season two was also very season good. Season two was awesome, and I'm a I'm a fan of the the song choice. Yeah, Leonard Cohen for, for several sure.
0: reasons. Yes but uh season 1 is just it like i feel like that was i don't know maybe there's another show out there but that it felt like the the coming of new title sequences like mm-hmm. it, that that like heralded the beginning of a title sequence era that was like is now in vogue
1: so yeah i i really i really uh, appreciate the the art of a title sequence like <laughs> i think it's one thing in in movies that if you watch films from, I'm trying to think of when it starts, but I'm thinking like through the 90s, certainly, they still had more conventional title sequences where all the titles played out over like a scene, usually with music or something, but it kind of eases you into the world and it's really cool. And movies these days, sometimes they... they they altogether avoid that you just see the title at some point Kind of the lost model you know exactly i was just gonna say lost really disrupted things on tv was just saying here's the name of the show and we're moving along yeah (laughs) weird sound cue sometimes working in the the titles into the the opening there to kind of really draw you into the movie is really really amazing set the mood yeah and we saw a movie recently in theaters i think you and i and probably some other people that i remember it struck me that the title sequence was really nice and it felt kind of i don't want to say traditional because it's all that's a little subjective on you know when you grew up watching movies because title sequences used to just be like title cards with like a whole overture set to yeah. it you know and yeah. like in like the 50s and stuff mm-hmm. and those were so obnoxious because you're like Ugh, like there's nothing to look at
0: i always noticed that when watching how the grinch stole christmas the the cartoon the jim carrey one no <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I feel like there's like 30 minutes of credits at the beginning of that thing, and it's probably only like 45 seconds or something ridiculous. But it just feels like there's this preceding, like, it's, it's this, uh, the fanfare of the thing you're about to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kind of the, 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 <laughs> it's weird that I can apply that to now what is probably 45 seconds to a minute for The Alienist. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I'm luxuriating in the, and the flavor of the show, essentially.
1: Hey, you know, it's it's a consideration that I think a lot of people overlook when yeah. they uh, watch movies and TV. You know, uh, how you're going to approach that and design it and execute it is someone's job. Yeah. And it's uh, it's an important one. You know, For it sure. It sets the tone. For sure. Yeah. Like, like, we're still talking, about The True Detective aired in what, 2012? What was the first season?
0: God, I don't even know. I or, think it was like 2014? Maybe 14. That was maybe? my second guess.
1: Yeah. Either way, I mean, we're still talking about it years later, and I will still talk about it forever because yeah. it's so good.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I downloaded that album
1: just because of that title <laughs> sequence. I listened to literally no other songs from uh, it's it. It's an awesome song. It's, it's a great song. Awesome. <laughs> Bo- both seasons. Yes. And uh, I'm dying to see what season three will look like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Dorf. <laughs>
0: uh, on to act one. This is one thing I will say about this show there are acts that are like 15 minutes long and it makes it real tough to
1: summarize quickly. Well, let's just break it it up. I broke
0: it into like three or four things here. Okay. Captain Connor asks Sarah to report that the Santorellis have nothing to add regarding Giorgio's death and that they shouldn't bother following up to Teddy Roosevelt. This pushes Sarah to ask John Moore to join her to go see them. The Santorellis quickly confess that two cops and a clergyman came to silence their father and giorgio's mother and brother reveal that there are other kid deaths being ignored by the police uh yeah it the whole sequence of seeing how decrepit and 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 run down the house and and everything there like it it feels really sad and just gross and i it they depict they're depicting the time very well to go from like the opulence of John and Sarah and Laszlo's houses mm-hmm. in the quote unquote gilded age down to the immigrants that come over and have nothing with fourteen people living in a single apartment. It was
1: pretty it was, it was a very effective sequence and it yeah. was something I was really hoping the show would not uh I don't think shy away from is really the right term. I just was afraid they wouldn't do it justice because the book does a great job. And I think I even said that in one of our two uh, previous episodes, uh, that the book really makes you feel like you uh, really understand what like real poverty is like, especially in this era. And it fills you with this like total kind of despair, knowing that most of these people will never really escape it. And it, It just feels like a real achievement in the show, like seeing it and really being able to be like, whoa, because in a lot of movies, you see characters are supposed to be poor and like live in like poor apartments in a poor area and they're still like, they're doing okay. Yeah. Life's not the best and it's obviously not good compared to the, you know, the upper crust, you know, a couple zip codes over or whatever, but you're still, you know, in America and like, you know, and for some reason, the first thing I can think of is in Creed, like his kind of love interest. Yeah. She's supposed to live in like kind of, I think, a not so hot area, but she has like a nice place. And yeah. Like her life is okay. And they're supposed. To, it just kind of has this vibe of like, oh, she's from like the inner city and um, it just uh, and then you see this and you're like, wow, these people do live in America and it sucks. They probably had it better where they came from.
0: Yeah. Like it. it it's kind of a... Uh, not, not that there, maybe, maybe I'm ignorant or, or I just haven't seen it, but there are certainly like in the Gilded Age, I'm sure there was a lot more parts, um, many more parts of the country that seemed closer to a third world than they did the first world. Oh, sure. And, and to kind of see that put to screen and, and look at these people trying to live in close quarters, it, it, it it's pretty, it's a stunning, it's a stunning
1: representation of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really good scene. Like it yeah. just like, and the the lack of any modern conveniences mm-hmm. really helps. Yeah. Like any sort of electricity or plumbing or yeah. anything like that. It just you know the little things that we're so accustomed to. Yeah. So I think it that's a that's an awesome achievement for the show because lots of period stuff has has obviously existed before this show, but it this feels like it really stands out in terms of like a relatively. Uh, true portrayal
0: well and to me i was noticing. i was noticing this today it exists in this kind of like unknowable time where i don't feel like i didn't much of my education focused in between the civil war after reconstruction but before world war one like i don't feel like there's there's a lot of like the remarkable standout things that were really discussed in a class like that.
1: There's no big American wins to talk no, about. No, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, the Civil War. What a win for America. <laughs> but not like the it doesn't I I find myself looking at this time period and being like this was only like 120 years ago tops and it's kind of like it it feels like a, a it's in the history books still i don't know it's 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 a weird it's a weird time for me to kind of conceptualize i don't feel like there's a lot of media set in like the 1890s sure essentially, yeah essentially so
1: and a and a lot was changing at the time yeah. too i mean you're seeing it literally like you said in the title sequence of the show like watching new york be built up
0: yeah yeah um,
1: what was the scene oh the the scene just prior to that with uh connor and uh sarah yeah that was awesome yeah i really liked that scene too i liked the eyelash moment that was really really damn creepy extremely unsettling unsettling and damn it alienist like you get so close so much and the scene was really i was really into it and they had that stupid cutaway shot of the other guy standing by the door like (laughs) that's supposed
0: to be doyle i
1: think Uh, whatever yeah i don't care like (laughs) You pulled me right out of that moment where the two the two of them have this, like, incredibly intimate, awkward, like... Because she can't really tell him to get lost, and he's not going to push it too far. But there's, like, this, this like, unspoken power struggle right you there. You know
0: he's pushing the boundaries of there.
1: And the way the camera was framed up dead center, and they're looking right into it, and it just... It cut between the two so that you could almost overlay the frame and their faces were, I mean like it was so well done and then it cut away to that stupid shot and I was <laughs> like I was like, damn it, you had a really good scene going here and you pulled me out of it for just a second to watch the other guy by the door going oh, yeah, 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 you do you pull her eyelash off hold in front of her You show that girl. It yeah. was like oh so bad. Like that moment I'm probably making a, a mountain out of a molehill here, but I like the show I really wanted this episode to blow me away this yeah. week, and uh, spoiler alert: I liked it a lot more than the first episode, and me we'll too. talk about that. But this scene right off the bat, I like. You had this really awesome exchange; and it was really tense, and then it kind of got disrupted a little bit by just some kind of unnecessary stuff. And I was like, "Well, see, so you can't you can't go doing that." Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It, that was a really cool moment, and once Connor continues to be like the most extremely accurate character from the <laughs> book <laughs> he's the exact same it's so it's so awesome well and even the like <laughs>
0: he's coming to tell her that he went to go see the santorellis and then he pulls the eyelash off and you notice that his hands are still bloody mm-hmm. it's like ugh. yeah they
1: weren't right. even trying but thank you for bringing that up <laughs> thank you for talking about the important part of the scene <laughs> not my nitpick
0: but, well no but like it's just like they don't they don't even need to try to hide the the depravity that, the, right. that they are, or
1: or who is really looking? Yeah. That's the thing, and that's I, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. That's one of the big things in the book is that this is the the class of people that no one gives a Nobody, shit about. Nobody's paying attention, and to. there's a select few who have tasked themselves with giving these people justice. Yeah, yeah. Most people probably, go, eh, what happened to your fist? Can't put two and two together, or just yeah. don't care to. And she, of course, does. Yeah to both.
0: Alright, uh, next up in Act 1, the Isaacsons try multiple blades to pry an eye out of a severed cow head and find that one looks promising compared to the Zweig bones. Meanwhile, Laszlo sees a girl whose mother is worried about her touching herself but Laszlo reassures her there's nothing wrong. As they leave, Laszlo heads off the girl's father and a priest who say that she needs God, clearly stating his non-religious beliefs. Uh, yeah, Isaacsons trying out a blade. You know, pretty standard
1: yep uh it's a little soon for me that's all yeah i feel like i kind of figured that's yeah that's all i have to say about that it's cool though the isaacson's are great like the casting is really good and i like the interplay between them i like the very stark differences between them i think they're very good i just think they're being mishandled a little bit they're doing what they're supposed to be doing just not in the right time frame for me yeah i think but it it's it's getting a little more palatable right now okay so they they're just uh they're even i think maybe a little brighter than the Isaacsons of the books so they're just but they have access to more of the puzzle pieces maybe yeah yeah <coughs> anyway yeah. it was a cool scene though it's cool and i i loved the joke that marcus has about the difference between yeah he says in capitalism sociali-
0: man exploits man and socialism it's the other way around yeah it that was a great perfect. great line
1: and a beautiful shot when he walks into the street mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, we'll talk about the subplot he's got going on later. I was
0: also just kind of like, who who's, who in their right mind, what, first of all, what kind of store were they even in? Second of all, why would that storekeeper let them plop a cow head down on the table and try to pry an eye out with their merchandise? It that's, just kind of felt to me like, what the hell is going on here? And I'm
1: really, really glad you touched on that because that's one of the great things about the characters is they're, they're just very... I don't want to say. Are they pers- just oblivious to social conventions? Yeah, essentially? and I don't. That's what I was gonna say. I don't want to say they're persuasive because they don't know what they're doing. They're just like, oh, let me see that knife, and like, I'm a cop. Or sometimes they do. They're, it's just they're they're pushy, and because they carry themselves with like intelligence and some authority, even though it's not in like a bossy way. Yeah, they they kind of can get some shit done
0: and they also don't seem to care really they're like we're here to do our work and do what we want to do also
1: that you know the world was a lot more i'm gonna say a lot looser with rules (laughs) and regulations and and you don't then yeah you could probably walk (laughs) into a gun shop and load one up and fire off a few shots out in the street and go yeah i like it i'll take it (laughs) fair enough fair enough uh thoughts on the laszlo scene once
0: again we touch on the religion thing um but uh, to me, it seems a little, uh, not a little, it's very heavy handed. And it is, but like I loved it. And I think it's very good. Like it, yeah. it totally works for me, but um, it just kind of, I don't know. Also the subtitles that they put on the show. I love the font that they use, which is not, it's not anything remarkable, but like.
1: Oh, I don't have those fancy subtitles. No,
0: th- this, these are the ones that are. That oh, are oh, 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 That were burned this, in. when he this, speaks uh, German, I
1: think. No, I don't think it's German. Maybe not. I don't know what it's, it was. Uh, I actually forgot to look. I don't think it's German, though.
0: I'm not. I'm not sure what it was. But whatever language he speaks back to the priest, when the priest and him are, are speaking in a different language, it, yeah. the subtitles that they use, it's just a very like yeah. uh, typographically interesting font. So
1: again, it's in a nice consideration. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I liked it. It is heavy-handed, but I think that maybe the creators and I don't know who to attribute it to, but it feels like you kind of have to be that way with very religious people and especially back then. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He kind of would just have to throw it back in their face. And I mean, the fact that they're, like you said, they're bringing their daughter in for like natural like curiosities that uh, someone going through puberty will have. And, and saying that she needs God. It's yeah. like, I mean...
0: They need to put her in a cold bath and no, put leeches on yes. her. Yes,
1: and granted, there are probably still people who do believe that. <laughs> yeah. We won't talk about that because <laughs> I have to leave this house and face the world again in a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, Laszlo is he's obviously ahead of his time, as yeah. are most of these main characters we're going to have uh, in this series. But he, he, you know, the viewer is immediately going to just go like, yeah, like I've got his back on this argument. And he... L- Laszlo is not a uh he doesn't have patience. I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of patience for people. He doesn't have a lot of patience for people that aren't intelligent or who won't just take the word of, of a uh authority figure or someone who has credentials and, and basically knows what they're talking
0: about. He's not going to entertain your your yes, he's, he lack of intelligence. He doesn't necessarily have the
1: best. And the way I put it in the previous episode, he's you can see different Laszlos when he's dealing with children and with adults. Yeah. And and especially so with adults he doesn't know or care for. He's just not the smoothest guy.
0: I will say this was kind of also the first hint of a formula a bit because obviously the first episode we got parents bringing a child to Laszlo... They want something fixed, and they also don't really believe in what they're bringing their child to experience with Laszlo. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't know that I can draw a through line there yet. Obviously, there's only two points on 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 the line at the moment. But um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. There's kind of two things between hitting those and also the weird, creepy scenes with the killer. Mm-hmm. I I think. there's a little bit of a formula to these first two episodes at least so we'll see if that continues
1: i kind of hope in a way i don't want the show to become redundant but i kind of want to keep seeing more of laszlo at the institute because it's a really important part of his character
0: yeah yeah uh any other thoughts on those nope all right next up in act one sarah tracks down hidden unsolved case files in captain connor's locked dress door but not before arousing his suspicion slightly she takes the info about Aaron Morton and an unknown black child to Laszlo with John. And while Laszlo would like to see their bodies, they inform him that their bodies are either gone or untraceable. Uh, first of all, the dude with all the case files.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should have been Michael Wincott. <laughs> it could have been uh, Michael I agree. Wincott, yeah. He was awesome.
0: I couldn't really tell if he was leering at her or not. I couldn't either because like, I was fully expecting him to be like checking her out as she's up on the
1: I think he did yeah but it was in a way that was not I mean it's not right either way but it, it was it was just felt Captain like
0: Captain Connors would have would a cat like whistled at her but this right, guy this was guy just kind of look at her
1: and go like oh. it was almost like a kind of curiosity like oh there's a woman here yeah that's new <laughs> his line though about the, the old dogs is that what he called the case oh man that's some good shit that is some, that's true detective stuff right there. <laughs> I like that. That really yeah, old dogs. They keep
0: barking at you from the files like old dogs.
1: Yeah. That's great.
0: That was pretty good.
1: Yeah. That see, there's a perfect example. That's probably all we'll ever see of that character. Yep. And yet he stands out mm-hmm. like an exclamation point and yep. that's perfect. That's exactly for what sure. we need. Like old Bill, man. Old Bill. Old Bill. It's all about if you old haven't Bill. Watch Westworld. Watch it for old Bill. He's barely <laughs> in it, but hot damn. Is he good? We'll
0: have to see if Michael Wincott was in season two at all, but God, hopefully,
1: fingers crossed. Uh, season two just starts with Old Bill just drawing two pistols.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, we get a little bit more John, Sarah, and Laszlo interacting <clears throat> at Laszlo's place, kind of learning that there's that there's more children out mm-hmm.
1: there. Um, yes, I don't know
0: if there's anything in particular that you want to remark on that, but.
1: Well, this is a little bit of a disconnect for me because I feel like Laszlo has already tried to draw the connection between the Zweig children yeah. and Giorgio. So the the fact that there are more children shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody here. Yeah. Like the, the feel this is where Well,
0: but I think the surprise here isn't so much that like there are more children that have been killed so much as it's a surprise that the police are covering it up. That's true. That, that, that's that's. I guess that's takeaway. the main function because that's when he's kind of like we need somebody, we need
1: to keep this secret from the police essentially. And I think that this this is a a suspicion that Laszlo has. Yeah, I think you you begin to really realize in the episode this episode just how far ahead of everybody Laszlo always yeah. is, and he. This is where his he really does display a lot of savvy. He knows how to how to manipulate people in the right ways, and it's yeah. not it's not a malicious manipulation. He just is helping people. He's needing get,
0: them get to where he needs them to be exactly,
1: <laughs> and 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 not in a negative way necessarily either, because they're often for their own good as well. Like yeah. he's just helping. He is he's a helper. <laughs> he's trying to help you be a better you that yes. serves him that better. can also help him. <laughs> yes, which is really you know that's that's interesting good on good on laszlo like yeah he i think he ha- already had the suspicion that the police were covering this up and that they are not even so much covering it up they're just disregarding it like it's not yeah. on their radar yeah like let's just clear the case and say we solved it and called it undead well
0: but at the same time the idea that connor's is literally removing these files from the storeroom yes
1: yeah, so now he i mean now he has confirmation yes he has hard proof that yeah. like
0: people are working they're actively trying to hide these things so now rather the, than not. not now, than just at this point,
1: it, yeah, it leaves it up to him to begin to pursue the option that somebody is withholding this information.
0: Yeah, for some kind of reason.
1: Yes. Uh, anything else about those two scenes? I feel like, and this feels like a good place to just say it quickly, but things feel like they're gelling more in this episode. Like yeah. I feel like the interactions are getting better. The characters are starting to feel like they have chemistry now and we're beginning to see where they all stand opposite each other and uh there's there's an even better scene coming up that'll that'll serve as a better example of that but i just by this point in the episode i was already like yes this is a lot better yeah yeah
0: they weren't so concerned with establishing people just more trying to show them interacting with each other Mm -hmm. so that was good uh Finally, in act one, the boy from the end of the pilot asks a shadowy figure what's wrong with his mouth as the figure beckons the boy to come closer, and the boy grabs his outstretched hand. Uh, I kind of thought the first time around that the fingerprints were maybe gone from the hand, but that kind of doesn't make sense with what we learn later, that there was finger, a fingerprint on the pocket watch, so I don't really know. It's kind of hard to see. At least it was for me anyway. Yeah but uh still creepy
1: you know it is creepy i still i still wish we weren't seeing anything of the killer right now yeah i i, I get that it would feel like a weird show if you didn't have confirmation as the viewer that they are chasing somebody yeah You kind of need that visual reinforcement of like to remind you, like, oh yeah, there is there is someone out there. But
0: yes and no, like I think the idea that society would not necessarily lend itself to the idea of a serial killer yet, it would be good for there to be some doubt that anything is connected. I agree. I I
1: think what I'm saying is that that's the reason why it's in the show for people to be reminded of like, oh, there's this man, and they're also feeding you tiny hints about him. Yeah, the mouse. I also really don't like at all <laughs> because you should learn this as they do because yeah. it's so much more rewarding that way. When these little mini breakthroughs happen in the book, you get excited for the characters. And we talked about this ad nausea in the previous episode.
0: But Yeah, I will say that connecting the morsel, when John later finds out from one of the other boys in the in the brothel that uh, Gloria or Giorgio spoke about a man with a silver smile mm-hmm. like connecting those dots is still satisfying to me as somebody who doesn't that's true know I guess
1: details Moore doesn't know that bit of information yet
0: he doesn't know how important that is necessarily he doesn't yeah but it's confirmation for us as the viewer that the people in the story know more than 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 what we do at the time anyway mm-hmm. so that
1: there are different people who know different things yes yeah fair enough but uh any other thoughts on creepy guy don't think so all right
0: act two as john and laszlo head to the opera they discuss sarah and john's intentions with her john shares that sarah wears her father's ring ever since he died potentially by his own hands sarah prepares to meet laszlo later and doesn't plan on wearing an evening dress but her servant or whoever it is convinces her otherwise and John and Laszlo see Teddy with the mayor of New York at the opera, and they ambush him to twist his arm into a parallel investigation of Giorgio's death. Laszlo requests Sarah as a liaison for the I- and for the Isaacsons to perform an autopsy on Giorgio. Um... That's the weird thing here is that even though these are shorter segments of the show, like the next three acts are all probably less than seven minutes a piece, Mm -hmm. they feel like they packed a lot into them as well.
1: Yeah. And the first episode felt really crammed too, but this one feels more like they they struck out a better flow. Yeah. It just runs a lot more smoothly. Yeah. Um, Sarah's backstory, perfect. Yeah. Really liked it. Uh, I like. I still don't necessarily love the age discrepancy because they kind of acknowledge it in this episode. That like, when Laszlo asks him, like, you know, do you dig her? Basically, yeah. and he's like, No, I no. knew her when she was a kid, and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, she's not a kid anymore. Hey, hey, hey! Which is exactly what he says. <laughs> and that was uh, verbatim. We just played a clip of the show. Uh-huh. actually. Yeah, Daniel Bruhl says that. <laughs> it. uh I the one thing I do really love about that exchange is Laszlo, you know, or um, I'm sorry, John is like I haven't thought about her about her like that. And Laszlo goes, of course you have, <laughs> and I I really I really enjoy that he's he's just so upfront with like you know this th- this is biology, man. Like, yeah, this is just the way people are, and it's cool. Like you could think about it like that. She's pretty, whatever. But you know, thinking about something and then acting on it are two d- different things. Yeah, and, you know the Laszlo's. Understanding of how infinitely complex and limitless the mind is is so much fun to watch because he, he, underst- he just knows how deep it can go. And in, even in his mind, the killer is acting out of sickness, is like a sick and disturbed person. And I, this is actually the main point of this episode I was thinking about on my drive over here because I was thinking like, you know, he would argue and it would be a fun debate to either participate in or observe from the outside of whether or not, people are acting, they're making conscious decisions to do things, or if they are programmed to to be that way. Like at what point does the, does your, I'm just going to use programming because it's a good word for it. At what point does your, your conditioning and, and everything that makes you, you override your ability to make a choice? Yeah. Like even, even in like your personality, like if someone's a little bit rude, is that a, a big deal to you? And this is reflects on you. Do you make it? Are you making a choice to, confront that rudeness to go against the
0: social conforming of like should i be nice to these people kind of thing right or even
1: for the person who is rude is that just the way they are and they can't help it and you're just kind of like well you gotta let it go because like maybe that's just the way they are or are they choosing to be rude
0: well and even the concept of like the quote that they display at the beginning of every episode Mm -hmm. which i didn't even bother to to talk about the idea that these people that have these mental conditions are alienated from their mind It's like they are—they are bucking that programming. They are mm-hmm. not following the social conformities. They're not partaking in the social contract of of people, and therefore, in a way, Laszlo needs to understand why that's happening or mm-hmm. or how that's happening and what it means for that person, essentially. Which is great. It's it's a very interesting idea, and on top of that, there's a whole other level of. Just the alienation between Laszlo and society of the time. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of he's he's alienated in his own way. Absolutely. So that's like the the dual layer there. You know, I think it's an interesting oh, duality yeah. to the show.
1: Definitely. Like he he almost has in his own ways more in common with his patients than a lot of the other people, which is one thing I yeah. really love about the character. Yeah. And again, another reason he needs more hanging around because he's more. It's just a little more plugged in with you know what it means to be a part of society yeah even though he's not the one that enjoys the opera yeah it's funny yeah but i think that that's something we can we'll keep coming back to and i think it's a it's something that as you get older you start to consider a little bit more because you realize the, the longer naturally just by function of being on the earth longer and being alive longer you start to realize the the weight of your actions and how you make decisions all the time for every little thing you do. And it's not just like what clothes are you going to wear that day or what do you eat for lunch, but how you react to things that happen. You know, if someone cuts you off in traffic, do you yell and cause a fit and honk the horn or do you just let it go? And whichever choice, or do you do a third option? Do you chase them and yell at them (laughs) or do you panic and and lose control of your car? And Any of those decisions, why did you make it? Because you chose to? Did you choose to let it go or are you just a laid back person? Did you choose to get angry or are you naturally prone to those kind of responses? This is good shit. It is. And this is the kind of thing that makes it so much fun to put yourself in Laszlo's perspective because he's spending all day thinking about this kind of thing. Yeah. And then to try to apply those objective uh rules to someone who is clearly so evil a lot of people would say in laszlo's mind he's probably not evil he's just not healthy
0: yeah yeah
1: and the this example writ large on my way here i was thinking like you know i don't want to talk about politics in this show but if you are not a fan of our current president the odds are good (laughs) is he that way because he chooses to be or because he has been made that way yeah and if so, either way, is it good or is it right or is it wrong? And can you condemn or condone either way? Walk away from this episode and think about your life. <laughs> that's a that's I a thought bri- you
0: were going to say on my way over here, I cut somebody off just <laughs> to see
1: what they would I do. I cut now. off Donald Trump and it made me think <laughs> he's coming down Coolidge. <laughs> anyway, I, that's what I really, one thing I really appreciate about this book. I mean, it is, it is a, it's a nice, I don't want to say fun but it's fun to read a fun like lean detective story that moves along and I love a good detective yarn but it also has all this context surrounding it especially considering the period and the profession of Laszlo yeah. and so I'm really happy to see that the show is is peppering that throughout Digging a lot of into it scenes, a little bit. especially just and it's just a throw almost a throwaway moment between him and John but it really yeah. is it says a lot yeah for sure and moore's head i think is spinning through a lot of this episode because he's just kind of like what am i got what have i gotten into yeah which yeah. is perfect i'm
0: just an illustrator what am i doing here? i make
1: pictures <laughs> Laszlo. what good am i here <laughs> i do which draw maybe, I do drawings. maybe that's
0: the purpose of it essentially <laughs> like he's alice in wonderland falling through <laughs> the rabbit hole like
1: <laughs> i'm too pretty to be here <laughs> what am i doing Oh, uh, we're gonna make a lot of jokes at John's expense, I think, in yes, this season for sure. It's all good. Luke Evans would probably laugh about it, too.
0: Any thoughts on uh, on Teddy? and the stuff we got a little bit there there was JP Morgan here played by Michael Aron- Ironside of
1: Oh that was Michael Ironside <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find him I was looking for him that I was saw his name and I was like I didn't side. recognize
0: him either but then I ended up looking at the IMDb for something I was like oh that was where Michael Ironside was so he must
1: have stuck him under a little bit of prosthesis Oh yeah in his I don't face. know either that JP or Morgan had a pretty distinct filled out a bit but face you know. they actually talk about that in the book that he he had a very bulbous nose Yeah and uh, he's easy to identify. Um, I loved the opera scene because John and Laszlo going to the opera is a thing in the books. And uh, I was really uh, kind of geeked out a little bit at that. And I, they were, they did it for the reasons they do it in the books, too, because it's a great way to spy on people <laughs> without them knowing it. Like, it's really cool. That That's La- wonderful. I'm going to say this up front. I feel like there's a lot of stuff. And this is going to cause me to withhold a lot of my criticism. but I think there's a lot of stuff in this show that isn't going to be readily apparent or make sense until the end. But like I said, always assume that Laszlo is doing more than you think he's doing. And no. so I think in this scene when he's peering around at his glasses, he's not he's the only one. You can see other people in the shot who is not looking at the stage with his glasses. He's angled off to the left there. And John falls asleep because that's what he does. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. Even
0: even watching it myself without reading the book, I was kind of of the mind of, like, why are they really here? And then as I thought about it and the scene goes on, it's like he's... he's Like, I it, I kind of read it as he's there to ambush Teddy. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're using it as, like, a social check-in for, like, what's going on here.
1: Exactly. They're also keeping up appearances. Yeah. Like, this is the type of thing that rich fancy men like John Moore would go do even if they don't love it. Like yeah. they would just be expected to Oh, did you see who wasn't at the opera? Uh-huh. There's an entire episode of of Frasier about them being concerned about not being seen at the opera. <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> the odds are good we'll probably talk about Fraser more than what's so I feel like it's been on other podcasts too. We've we've brought up Fraser. Yes. But it's really, really funny because you in it points out how stupid it is. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so what? You didn't go to the opera, but Niles is like he is aghast at the thought of having not been seen there. They it's have like to an, ad-
0: a, it's a, an apocalyptic action yes. that has occurred.
1: Yeah, and they can't get into the opera, and so they're waiting outside for uh, intermission because they have to be seen and, and pretend like they've been watching, <laughs> and, be, and so they're waiting outside the whole time. It's really good. It's a great episode, but anyway. Uh, it, 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 Laszlo's purposes are, generally it's not a single purpose for why yeah. he's doing something. It's usually got at least two or three objectives to it, so it's really cool that the show is laying it out there and that you, uh, as someone who hasn't read it, is kind of picking up on all these things. Like, oh, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, And yeah. and the best part is John just doesn't even know. He's just there. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, fuck, man, the opera. This sucks. Uh-huh. I feel like he'd be played really well by Paul Rudd as Andy from Wet Hot American Summer <laughs> because he's just kind of like, oh, man, oh, I guess I got to drink two of these drinks because <laughs> not going to have fun tonight when really, like, he's on a mission.
0: Yeah. No, that's very good. Um, Teddy being pissed about being seen with Laszlo yeah. by J.P. Morgan, also
1: yeah, that's fair. So Roosevelt is still not crazy about it, and I, part of it is because I think in the book Teddy's Teddy's not like totally against the idea of the investigation. He's kind of like it needs to be done in quiet. Though he's kind of like you know I want to get this solved, but we can't let but like he's in. He's in on the plan. Yeah. And in the sh- in the show, he's kind of like wants nothing to do with either of them. I do really want them to talk about their history, the three of them. Yeah. Because it's important. And I think they really need to. They need to give Teddy more than just like upset boss to do.
0: Frowny face. Yes. Frowny yeah.
1: face. T- TR. As JP <laughs> Morgan. Yes. The other kind of goofy thing is I don't know that JP Morgan would ever have talked to the commissioner of police, like maybe, but it kind of felt like a weird call out when he's like, hey, TR. And I was like, mm, I don't know if like the richest person in New York is, is bothered with this kind of thing, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't know. It came off a little, because he's the commissioner. There's somebody above him, right? I guess, no, I guess he works like for the mayor pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. JP would totally know the mayor. Yeah. But I'm not sure he would know the new upstart commissioner of the police. Maybe not. Not on uh, initial nickname terms.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
1: Anyway, small detail. Not. It doesn't upset me as much as the eyelash scene.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything else in this act? No, I don't think so. All right. Act three, uh, Laszlo, John, Sarah, and the Isaacsons gather for an opulent dinner at Delmonico's. Apparently opulent is my
1: vocabulary word for today. I know, and I keep thinking of that. Was it a Geico commercial with the opulence guy?
0: I don't know. Oh, man. Don't know what you're speaking of. I'll show you later. (laughs) Uh, The Isaacsons reveal that they found a weapon that matches the cuts on the Zweig bones and a bloody fingerprint on the pocket watch on one of the children that may lead to their killer's identity. Laszlo announces his intention to build a profile of the killer with the help of the assembled team during their investigation into the deaths of Giorgio, the Zweigs, and any other children that they may find fit the modus operandi of the killer at hand. Laszlo warns that if they get too close, the killer's violence may turn onto them. Uh I. What I think I will say about the scene is them calling them finger marks bothered me so much. <laughs> and it's perfect. Like, that's exactly... What they would do in a time when like fingerprinting is not even oh absolutely it's like just a, a a sparkle in their eye like a theory something that's been discussed and and only the highest of research academia knows or or believes in it at the moment like that that I think was kind of perfectly portrayed mm-hmm. and them calling them finger marks every somewhat time. of a I primitive term like, yeah, yeah I, I just kind of cringed at it. <laughs> But uh, no, I li- I like the scene quite a bit, and and um, Sarah shutting John up
1: was was good. It was almost word for word from the book. I'm pretty sure. Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It really stood. It really struck me as soon as she said it. So I was like,
0: the I, idea that like in the presence of Teddy, she didn't go out of her way to to assert herself, mm-hmm. but. In the presence of just John and Laszlo, people that she's that, that aren't her boss per se, yep, she's just kind of like, "Come on, John, I can take care of myself." Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I spoke about that before. The relationship between them kind of needs to be that way. Yeah, I enjoyed it.
0: Um, but yeah, I don't know. This was pretty straightforward. This is the assembly of the team. Yep. This Maybe is- there's going to be a chalkboard next episode. Oh.
1: Boy, do I hope so. <laughs> and I hope it has Samuel L. Jackson standing next to it to recruit them all <laughs> to be part of the uh, steampunk Avengers. Yes. Uh, I loved this scene. I think it may have been my favorite from the episode because this was, a, this was a big one. Like you said, it's the team coming together. It's all of them. And and this, this is pretty much how it goes down in the book because uh, when Laszlo brings the Isaacson twins to the morgue to examine the body... Yeah, of Giorgio in the book he tells them he's like here you go you've got X amount of hours you're going to meet me and Mr. Moore at Delmonico's at this time and you're going to tell me what you found and then they show up and they spill their guts about like everything they found and that's when he's kind of like going okay and it's kind of a test you wanted to see like what they're really worth and, okay. and, and it's uh, it kind of happens that way in this I mean the, it's kind of like retconned into that a little bit, yeah. But it it was really cool to watch them uh, produce the weapon and uh, have already gotten that far. It was really neat just seeing the team all together for the first time. Yeah. And uh, Delmonico's is a big deal in the book. They go there a lot. That's like their spot. Interesting. That's Laszlo's like jam. Okay. And he is on like, he calls the chef by name in the episode. Yeah. And I forgot his name it starts with an R. It's yeah. like Reinhofer or something like that. Something like that. He's the head chef and Laszlo knows, he knows everybody there really well. And uh, they go there a lot in the books. It's kind of their spot where they like meet up to like talk shop and like, you know, kind of reconnect when they're not at the office or whatever. Okay. The book actually frequently describes these scenes in which they're eating and describes the food in f- pretty substantial detail. And it's always like written in such a way that it makes you hungry. Like, it just <laughs> sounds really good. That's awesome. It. Yeah, it's kind of a fun little thing from the book. But I I just, I really loved the scene. I thought it was, it was fantastic. It was,
0: it was very good. It felt like the moment that I was waiting for.
1: Yep. So. And everybody is really clicking into their roles. And I still think my favorite is watching John just kind of be like, "Yeah, man,
0: what am I doing here? More on that in in just a second. More on that. So, uh, Laszlo essentially warns everybody that, uh, that the killer might essentially try to, kill any of them if they get too close
1: yeah and it may just be me watching the show but i feel like that scene that moment doesn't have as much weight doesn't have hardly any weight like nobody really seems to react in a way to what he's saying and i may have i may have just missed it but i i think in the book that there's a real moment of pause where laszlo's kind of like you know i need all of your help but you don't have to help necessarily because these are the risks
0: I've, part of me feels like it's um, maybe they just don't really think
1: the threat's there yet. That's what I mean. That that's that's sort of an issue because like this this guy kills people, and in the book it's very like I mean you are you are in Moore's head so to speak because he's your your he's your narrator yeah so he definitely kind of has a moment of like well shit and but I recall him being like obviously I haven't caught up yet in the book he's kind of like looking across the table kind of everybody's kind of like taking a moment to consider like, you know, the closer we get in this investigation to catching this animal, the more it will lash out and it could kill one of you know, this person could kill us yeah, or it could kill one of us because obviously, you know, you corner some sort of predator like that and it's going to become its most dangerous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure. Like it, like, uh,
1: I just feel, I like, feel like
0: there might be a moment coming where they realize how real it is, and that it is a per like the rest of the team realizes it is a person. Whereas you said Laszlo is ahead of everybody; mm-hmm. he know he basically knows at this point. The Isaacsons might suspect it, but they might not know what it means to like. They might not understand what Laszlo's real plan and thought of this all mm-hmm. is. Yeah, there's still some distance. And it hasn't hit them yet, you know, but yeah, I can I could get how like I just feel like the moment that you're thinking of it may it might have been here in the book, but it might come later in the show Mm -hmm. with something, you know, a deeper when, when something cuts a little more close to home. Sure all right uh act four john informs laszlo of his concern at sarah's involvement in the investigation and laszlo angers him by suggesting him that he, suggesting to him that he has no place in the investigation anymore so john storms off on the way back to her house sarah informs laszlo of her concern about john walking home at late at night and probes laszlo's motivations for having her join the team they flirt as she leaves the carriage Marcus Isaacson heads to the Labor Party meeting to hook up with a girl named Esther and Stevie ta- uh, tails John into the relocated Parisa's house. Uh, I love the way they flip the line on each other. Yep. It was it was really good. It was awesome. It's not what I was expecting. And neither of them knows the other one said it. And <laughs> yeah. Laszlo just kind of grins. He doesn't say anything about it. He's like, yeah, whatever. He chuckles a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, also the what you were saying about Laszlo's calculation of like pushing John to be what he needs to be. Yeah. And just kind of pissing John off to like spurn him more.
1: Yeah, to to get him to become more motivated and more involved by yeah. suggesting that maybe he's not important. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pitch perfect. And him storming off in a huff and be like, Oh walk. Yeah. I'm not a child. <laughs> 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 well <laughs> you kind of are. Oh that's great. I yeah. I love I love Laszlo and Moore. They're so good. I uh, they feel a lot more correct in this episode. They feel like they know each other this yes, time around. Exactly. exactly. In the first episode, I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, what is their history exactly? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Uh, I'm glad we got a little bit more Cyrus. Still don't have a lot of Stevie yet, yeah. but I think we will soon. But the Cyrus, his lines to Stevie were really yeah, funny. Yeah, that
0: was actually during the dinner at Delmonico's. I forgot to mention that he's telling Stevie that he needs to wash his hands.
1: Yeah, and that is an important thing too because Stevie... It's not that Stevie and Cyrus aren't allowed to join them. I mean, it, it would be weird in like a high-end restaurant to see like a kid and like a, an employee essentially join yeah. you. But it it is important to note that Laszlo has dinner sent down to them, like yeah. from this bomb-ass restaurant. Like yeah. he, he he takes care of them. Like there's there's. There's consideration there.
0: One other thing we forgot to touch on—I forgot to touch on—was Mary dropping the glass in the meeting towards the beginning of the episode. Yes, kind of showing jealousy and glaring at Sarah mm-hmm. because she's she's pulling Lazo's attention essentially. Yeah, no, oh, that's good. So good to note. Yeah, I, I I I meant to stick it in there, but I forgot because there's so much
1: stuff going on in that
0: first act. Yeah, but
1: um. The, uh, the laszlo Sarah exchange is really good. I thought it was really yeah. fun. The flirtation is cool, and I like that we kind of almost got the same camera work that we did with Connor and her, except...
0: But she's a willing participant yes, in, the, exactly. in the repartee that's And it's going somebody in. who's
1: very respectful and who is very intrigued by her. Yeah. And somebody who sees her for what she is and embraces it and encourages it. Like, this is all brand new to her.
0: Well, and she also... Uh, she's I think she's she's obviously smarter than other people think but I think she even surprises Laszlo with some of her responses as Mm -hmm. well the idea he's like am I to assume that you've taken an interest or whatever however he says that and she's like "Uh, you wouldn't be wise to assume anything about me like just kind of I think she not only her willingness but also the responses that she gives to Mm -hmm. Laszlo I think
1: definitely and it it just goes to show that as open minded as Laszlo is, he still can be a little bit of his time. He's
0: still yeah, he's still dictated by society, like the culture. Right. Him. That like yeah. women don't behave that way. And yeah. so
1: even she is a bit of a curiosity to him, as is he to her. Yeah. Like she definitely is like kinda into him and kind of intrigued because he's very different.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. Marcus and his labor party girl.
1: <laughs> yeah, she ain't a party girl. She's a <laughs> labor party girl. Yeah, I'm not really into this. I don't Man, really know uh, why. Don't need it. Once again. Don't need it. And actually to... <sighs> does, it, does it have
0: any resemblance to anything in the book? You don't have to get into specifics, but does no, it? Not no, not
1: really. At least I was wondering that while I was watching it. I thought, are they trying to take one character and turn them into another? Yeah. That may be happening. I can't okay. say for sure yet, but... I think to sexualize one of the Isaacsons almost does them kind of a disservice. <laughs> it he has the ability to get laid, and therefore, <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, if one's going to do it, it's definitely Marcus. But <laughs> it's it's just. They're really into their work, yeah. and like their work and their 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 family unit is like the things that matter to them and proving themselves as policemen and scientists so it's not that I take issue with them like engaging in a relationship with a person, but it's like Marcus taking time and energy to go to this party on the whim that he'll see this cute girl that he saw on the street there. It's healthy behavior for someone who is his age, but like it's just not really what they do. Yeah, and it—I'm it, not going to rule it out. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just like it, it felt like it was. Time. It seems like a distraction, you know. Yeah, and it's kind of time that's taking away from other material that might be better. I'm not sure yet what purpose it serves. We may we may see, but the the Isaacsons are supposed to be the very scientific objective like focused ones they're like the, they're cops and they're scientists yeah and for them to get involved in something that could be used as leverage which is kind of how i'm already looking at it yeah from me too watching too many of things like this <laughs> i just feel like we're gonna end up with a scene where she's in some sort of danger and and marcus's decision making is going to be compromised by it and i'm going to barf <laughs> immediately to my left <laughs> if it plays out like that yeah. it'll probably be boring.
0: Well, and here's what I'll say speaking of things that we think are useless. There's literally <laughs> there's literally nothing about John John's weird ring and potentially dead wife thing that they harped on so much in that pilot. And I was kind of like, yeah, it's probably too soon to like remark on it at all, but I don't feel like they carried that threat at all like it's absent from this
1: episode yeah that's true I was expecting them to get there
0: yeah so I don't know I'm actually
1: really glad this episode ended with John's visit to Paris's hall because I thought he was leaving to go to the I was I knew I was the, gonna go to the raffle yeah I knew from the book that this the events that happen in the show happen but I yeah. didn't think we were gonna get there quite yeah I'm actually really glad we did okay but anyway yeah the Marcus thing we'll see I, I don't know I have no strong feelings one way or the other
0: yeah That's fair. I kind of was like, this is weird, but who cares? Yeah. And then, uh, so Stevie tails John into the relocated priest's house. I liked the shot of the boots, because that was a shot that they established. Like, it felt like it was, it's interesting to me, because it felt like they, in the first episode, they show somebody putting those boots on that railing, as like the, this is the signal that we're operating here. Mm. Oh yeah. And to see that same shot from the same angle, like just matching that first, I was kind of like, it just felt interesting to, to me. Like, it's a very small detail, but the idea that, like, oh, did they wait until it was dark or make it dark and reshoot from the same, like, did they leave the camera? Like, what is it? I don't know if it's spot sure. on or not, like, but I just thought it was a cool detail. Yeah. Just to kind of tell you, this is the place that we saw before. Mm-hmm. So, all right. And then the fifth act. John bluntly approaches Biff to try and learn about Giorgio slash Gloria's work at the brothel. Biff deftly drugs John and sends him away with a young boy who goes by the name of Sally. Biff. John spends $5 on Sally trying to learn about Gloria, and she reveals that Gloria spoke often of a client who had a silver smile. And Sally also explains that the night Gloria died, she never left the brothel and there was no sign of anyone in her room. The killer somehow made off with Gloria despite the three-story drop to the ground. The drugs overtake John, Biff, uh, excuse me. The drugs overtake John, and Biff, Paul, and Captain Connor come in to have Connor ID him, and Paul calls in the boys to descend upon John. Um, Not the most visually interesting drug trip that I've ever seen. Not that it's meant to be like LSD or anything, but I just felt like, you know, it was creepy.
1: Yeah, and in, in the book, it's... You don't know that he's been drugged until he realizes it, and it's a little describing kind of
0: like a weird.
1: Yeah, it's a little more satisfying because you don't see it happen. You just he kind of puts two and two together. Yeah, and I think I think he's actually drinking beer because I think he's kind of like, what is there to drink in this place? And it's like terrible beer. I could be wrong. (laughs) I could easily be mixing this up with like Dark Tower or something. But anyway, books where people drink. He. (laughs) Doesn't know it, for, and then he kind of realizes Books it, where it,
0: people drink is our other podcast, yes, but anyway.
1: Our audio book. <laughs> uh, the way this sequence ends in the book is so sp- fantastic, even from a non-vision. You can, you can see it when you're reading it, and if the scene had played out an extra... 30 seconds you would have gotten there and it would have been a way better ending to the episode I think. Hmm. That's all I can say about it. Cuz yeah. I don't know if it's going to end the same way in the yeah. show. But it's really cool because it is a cliffhanger in the book, but there's an extra action that happens that's really neat and it leaves you going like, "What the?" And then the next chapter immediately after is the events of John's visit at priest's hall concurrently with that, with other characters. So you don't get to know exactly what happened until later. And it's really cool. Interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure about that. Anyway, I still haven't caught up yet in the book, but (laughs) I could easily be looking back uh, with a little bit of uh, error, but I I know for sure. I'm right about how the scene ends. and It's really good. But anyway, the scene itself was good. I like that John is getting little tidbits of info and he's, He's not putting. He's not in the right frame of mind to put them together anyway because he's already drunk and he's been drugged and he's just pissed. Yeah, and he's just a little angry. Yeah, and he takes. I think this is how he tries to prove that he's useful. He's like, I'm going to go learn something that no one else knows and just walk right in and
0: <laughs> and just show all of their cards yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: which is perfect. Like he's he's acting like John, which is cool. That's good. Uh, I like that he's he's. He's well intentioned and he's he's just kind of making some rash choices. And yeah. It's kind of fun to watch. Uh but the as far as the way the scene plays out with Sally, it's it's um it's perfect. Like I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that they did a really, really fantastic job of realizing Parisis Hall and like it goes it goes along with the like squalor of the the Santarelli like yes. the, uh ghetto because this is something that I'm surprised is on t v yeah, like it's like a saloon of boy underage boys pretending to be women and prostituting themselves like that's pretty bold for t v yeah. and and they don't really shy away from the certainly the implications of what's going on, but even just what what you do see in the show you're like is enough to like it should bother people
0: yeah no like, i and it it bothered me, and it wasn't like. I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like part of me looks at it and I'm kind of like, was this really what life was like back
1: then? Exactly.
0: And I'm wondering if it's like embellished or what it is. And I'm sure it's not. Like this kind of thing probably existed back then. Almost certainly. Mm -hmm. But I still, upon first glance, I'm like, well, this can't be that real. (laughs) But... Also, just kind of the way that they portray it in this, like, ghostly, dimly lit, uh, I don't even necessarily know that I have the words, but just the way that it's shown on the screen feels otherworldly. It's like he descends into some other realm of, like, kind of funhouse mirror caricature of what what I would think this kind of thing might actually be like, but either way, it's just kind of a, it's a very unique, once again, going back to the show's just unique portrayal of not only the time, but also the the squalor, as you said, that kind of stuff. So I, I just, it feels off and wrong and weird, but also it's
1: weird for me to feel like, I don't really know that I believe this. <laughs> I think that a lot of people probably will watch it and and feel the same way that like, oh, this this couldn't have happened. There's laws against that kind of thing, but look at where they are. There's laws against killing people too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Look at where they are and, and just when it is. There's just the infrastructure of law enforcement and stuff just didn't exist in the same way yet. Even in like the biggest city in the country, like it's just, it's more room to hide and it's more room to, to appeal to those like deviant behaviors that people have. Yeah. Yeah. And one interesting question that I think Laszlo and maybe the characters will have to deal with is whether it's not, it's not like a main theme or question of the, of the book, but like, are these boys there because they have to be, or do they all exhibit deviant behavior where they're kind of, they want to be in a capacity like that. Yeah. And do you know who Jacob Reese is? No, he was a photographer and like a journalist in this era. Okay. He's a real person. He's in the book for just briefly. And he wrote he wrote a book bu- I think it was a book it may have just been like an like an article or something but it was called how the other half lives and it was like this super famous thing that uh, blew the the life of these people that live in, in these ghettos and stuff wide open for other Americans to see and it was definitely in the same era it was published before this takes place but he gained a lot of notoriety because he basically He was like a, I think, what would equate to like a middle class, maybe upper middle class white guy. Yeah. But he went into these areas and these neighborhoods and these ghettos and he photographed like a ton of the people who live there and showed the living conditions. And he wrote about it and he wrote about them and he published this whole thing. And it like really like brought a lot of attention to these areas because a lot of people living around, you know, America and even in New York didn't realize just what was going on. Yeah. And I think that he, he's an important character. He's an important person in, in real life, obviously, but he was his inclusion in the book was kind of important because he was he's a prominent figure in exposing that that level of just like utter squalor is really the only real word for it. Interesting. And I, I guess ultimately, I don't know for sure if this existed either, but I have f- a lot of confidence that it did yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's like i don't it's not that i have any reason to think it didn't exist it's just that my mind doesn't want it to
1: right you don't want it to and it's hard for you to grasp like based on you know where we live and and the and when we live it's hard to believe that this kind of thing would be happening like several blocks down and that like men would be in there just walking around as though they have nothing to hide because they're not concerned about ramifications from the law or from being like judged by people like there's there's a lot of dudes you just see in the scene that are there they're just like laughing and singing along with the boys singing and just like drinking beer yeah like it's just hanging out at at a bar during karaoke night when it's like no that's not what's going on here like the level of normalcy that's on display there for a lot of those people is really alarming yeah and kudos to the to the the showrunners and and TNT for just going there and airing it because you even have like you know people go on about it, like HBO is oh it's so graphic or people having sex but it's 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 i guess i can't say it's always like consensual sex but it is more conventional even in like Westworld like the yeah. the kind of pleasure palace that they visit in Westworld season 1 it's much more in line with what we're used to seeing as far as like nudity and sexuality goes just like with like beautiful naked people walking around and like yeah. enjoying each other but then you see this and you see the, the dark side the of it the
0: objectification of young boys in in dresses even like it's just the it's not something that is in the it's beyond taboo essentially yes. like mhm that's our other podcast, Beyond Taboo. But anyway, <laughs> that is a good name. <laughs> I'm buying, I'm buying what domains. Would, what would as we, we talk about? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was just making compiling
1: a list of <laughs> potential domain names. Yes, the same way Gojo hoards gamer tags, <laughs> just writes them down. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's it's a really it was an important sequence, and it was one of the things. You know, I agree with what Mark said. Uh, I think it was Mark D who commented on you know, if it was Netflix or some other, yeah. it, it, they may be able to get a little more into the violence. But And and while I do agree with that, and I'm not discrediting that opinion, we get a lot of violence today anyway. Yeah, And I'm not saying that I have like a hankering to watch these these boys get paraded around like this. It doesn't, you know, it's not fulfilling in any way, but it's, it's important to talk about it. Yeah. In the same way that like a lot of the questions in Preacher are important to talk about. And I think that the fact that the network is going there is 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 much more interesting.
0: Well, and the fact, as I said earlier, like the the fact that I feel like I know nothing about 1890s, mm-hmm. and that this is the kind of thing that was going on, and it presumably actually happened in some shape or form. Like all of that, I think, feels more uh, culturally important than the. The horror of a serial killer in the 1890s, <clears throat> yeah, which I think is also a topic of the show. But
1: and and it's something that we talked about even in our primer episode. I think that I was I was really concerned that the show would not dive into the social yeah. uh, themes explored in the book. And I think it would it would be naive and 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 uh, maybe a little irresponsible of us to to act like maybe this still doesn't happen today. Yeah, that it that it probably pretty well, much by all means, absolutely there's, still like, there's a
0: sex trade of some kind exactly. going on. That yeah,
1: and and just because it may not necessarily be, you know, bo- boys doesn't mean it's any less horrifying. For like sure, we I mean even For in sure. any major metropolitan American city has a sex trafficking problem these days. Like there it, it, it recently in Detroit there was a big one exposed. Yeah, uh, at that motel around Eight Mile. Yep. Yeah, there's your eight-mile reference for you, people <laughs> who live outside of Michigan. Uh, but it's, it's a very no. real problem that it has has persisted for, uh, obviously, over 100 years now and and probably well before.
0: But, yeah, the the fact that, as you said, it's so open and there's people here that don't feel necessarily ashamed or they don't need to hide. like they need to hide yeah, it. exactly. And that the law is aware of it and doesn't do anything about it. All of that is together is 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 weird and and gross and hard to swallow essentially
1: and even on on a i don't want to say lighter but lesser note you know there there are people in this show that are just walking around drinking and just like you know engaging in other behaviors that are illegal today i mean you can't just walk around with a with an open fifth of anything or a beer unless there's some sort of beer fest going on which uh not really a thing in the gilded age probably (laughs) every day is beer fest yeah it's pretty much do whatever you want fest (laughs) it's just interesting that it's a time when probably population is booming at a rate that people can't keep up with in any regard in 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 housing in in food and in and water you know resources that are essential and as well as just policing yeah and, and enforcement of these laws and uh I think that that's something they could probably talk a little bit more about in terms of the monumentous tasks that Roosevelt has before him as well. Yeah. But the show doesn't seem interested in Roosevelt, really. Yeah, yeah, not yet, anyway. <laughs> Just frowny face, make a mustache. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, that's a long tangent, but I think it's one of the big themes from the book that I'm really glad to see is carrying over into the show. That even and, and this boy, Sally, is... You know his instinct. Even though he seems like he's been put there to kind of placate more until this uh, this drug, drug takes, takes effect, effect, his instinct is to try to like service him. And Moore's like, "No, dude. Like, I. I how could you think I want that? Right. Like, but yeah. how could you think? Want- but also, like, why is that your instinct? Like, let's just have a conversation because that's what I want to do. I want yeah. I, I want information. I want to talk to you. And these kids are just like they've been turned into these into these machines. It's terrible."
0: Anything else about about that particular scene? I guess we're running kind of long, longer than we wanted to be. But uh, the we did get the the clue about the silver mouth, mm-hmm. essentially the silver smile. Uh, but more on that later, I presume. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, I guess the other thing, the other dots that I connected, the idea that like when Laszlo chased after the guy in the first episode, he escaped through the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then once again we have the situation of somehow they got away despite a three-story fall. It seems like there's something weird there. We're dealing with a birdman or something like that. Yes, he is he is
1: Michael Keaton <laughs> man, where he just hoists his arms and he flies. Yeah.
0: So, uh but yeah, th- those those were just kind of the the dots that I connected and the things that I that I saw here. So Any other thoughts?
1: No, I think it's a it's a it's a good episode. I liked I, agree. I liked it a lot more. I think that everything feels more on the right track. The characters feel better, the, the, the scenes feel like that a little more thought was put into them. Yeah. The, the
0: show seems to know what it is. They grasp on to the things that they think mm-hmm. make it different and you know.
1: Yeah, I don't think necessarily the direction was as flashy as the first episode, but I yeah. think I just liked it more anyway. Yeah. Like the first episode had some moments I really dug, but it ultimately this this story lives and dies by the characters. Yeah. And if the characters aren't good, then the show's not going to be good.
0: Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on TheAlienist.tv. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. You can email us at feedback at TheAlienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on TNT's The Alienist so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, HBO's Westworld, and AMC's Preachers. To find out more about these shows, as well as how to support the network, go to MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Division by Kevin MacLeod, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of The Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of The Alienist brings. But until then don't alienate yourself from your mind. Ooh.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is a good one. We'll do a new one every week until somebody gives us a good idea. Mm, Unless there's a chalkboard next week. Yeah, we're just waiting on that chalkboard. Hopefully there's a chalkboard. (laughs) Until then, keep waiting on the chalkboard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect.